Why don't you stand up for a moment and let's uh, welcome Brother Keith Moore to our Life Church Conference and Days of Heaven. Amen. such a joy to be with you tonight. Are we blessed or are we blessed? I, I tell our folks, you know, we're so blessed. The blessed people call us blessed. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's, such, it's so great to, uh, to be here. It's, you know, no two services are exactly alike because uh, there'll never be another time when it's exactly this crowd and this thing, these things going on. So just like uh, Brother Mark was saying. So uh, I count it a great honor to be with you. And you have a great church. That was a little, that was a little weak. Uh, you, you have a great church. Now, I, I don't know, like, like uh, the pastor was saying, we, we travel a lot and we, we are aware of a number of things that are going on in different parts of the country. And there's a lot of churches that are struggling and a lot have not recovered well from the pandemic and, and all of that kind of thing. And so for you to have a house full, is that right? And for you to be doing so good and so strong, something to thank God about. And you have good pastors. Is that right? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It's, uh, it may look like it's just a breeze to, to do this, but there's a lot involved. And a lot of people quit. They do. A lot of people just decide that, you know, it's too much and, and they retire early and young and all kinds of things. And so you guys are not leaving next week, right? No, they're not leaving next. Somebody sort of say, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lift your hands and let's thank God. Thank you, Lord, for this church, family. Thank you, Lord, for all the prayers that you've answered. Thank you for sustaining. Thank you for these buildings and property. And thank you for these pastors and all the staff and all the volunteers. And you have blessed this place and made it a light and made it a witness in this town, in this state, in this area. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that. Lord, all of us agree together is touching this, asking for utterance and eyes and ears that can see and hear and a heart that can understand and discern. We're asking for answers for here, for these, for now. And a supply of the Spirit, the anointing and the strength and whatever we need to come to the next place in you and define and fulfill your perfect will and plan for us. And we purpose not to just be hearers only because there are no results from that, but we purpose by your grace and help to be doers. And as surely as we act on what you tell us, miracles will happen because you always watch over your word and perform it in the lives of those who do it. And we thank you for that in advance in Jesus' name. Everybody say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. 
Not just a hearer only. Not just a hearer only. I'm, a doer I'm a doer of what God tells me to do. Tells me to do. Amen. Amen. That's the people that get results. You can be seated. Anybody thankful for air conditioning? I was thinking today, I need to find out who God used to invent that and give appreciation, honor where honor is due. Uh, would you go to the book of John, please? John chapter 15. And I haven't taught this exactly before, so you're believing with me, right? Yes, I mean parts of it here and there, but not exactly like this. So we'll be... Like always, trust in the Lord to show us which way. Not stuck or locked into anything, but we want to do exactly what we prayed, what, what he says. Jesus is speaking here in John 15. And he said in verse um, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. And it shall be done to you. Uh, successful prayer is based on faith, and faith is based on the Word. Uh, there's a lot of prayers God can't answer because it contradicts His Word. Do you understand that? He, he's not going to change His Word because you're ignorant of it. Right? There's a lot could be said about that, but you need to feed on the Word on a regular basis. And the less you know of the, of the Word, the easier you are to deceive and mislead. But the more of the Word you know and understand, the harder it is for the devil to trick you. You'll see him coming. Right? You'll know this can't be right because... It is written. Isn't that how Jesus defeated the enemy? Yes. It is written. And so uh, he goes on to say, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Said out loud, it's God's will, it's God's will that, I be fruitful, that I be fruitful, that my life, that my life bears much fruit. Is that the will of God? That's yes. what he said. And as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. How do you do that? What does that mean? Continue in his love. Stay in it. Continue in it. We're going to talk about that. If you keep my commandments... You shall abide in my love. That's the answer right there. How do you stay in his manifested love? By obeying him. Hmm? Now in, in modern environment, some folk begin to get itchy on that and go, uh, that's works. No, it's Jesus. Is everybody listening? Watch out now. 
No, it's Jesus. Uh, the Lord can love you and not be pleased with what you're doing. Is that right? The Lord can love you and never leave you and never forsake you, but not, not be able to endorse or support what you're doing. Hmm? Not be able to approve what you're doing or not doing. True? And so he's not talking about that you do, if you don't do something, he's going to quit loving you. What he's talking about is living in his manifested love. Living in the awareness of him being pleased with you. Now that is what makes life worth living. When you know the Lord is pleased with you, the sky is bluer. The grass is greener. Do you know what I mean? Everything is so much different and better. And, uh, you know, if you don't listen to him and you purposely rebel against him and do all manner of things that he told you not to do, well, you keep doing that long enough and it can feel like that, that God's not real to you. It can be you have no sense of his presence. God didn't go anywhere. It was you that left. He hasn't changed. He won't change. And thankfully, if you want to get back where it's right, he's ready. Is that right? He'll forgive you. But you will not live in the fullness of the sense of his pleasure and manifested love unless you do what? Read, read the scripture. Keep his commandments. Is that right? Do, do what he told you to do. Is this New Testament? Am I reading in the New Testament? That's what I thought. <laughs> you, if you keep my commandments, and he's about to tell you one of the, the biggest ones, uh, you shall abide, that means live in it, dwell in it, stay in it. You will abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus said, I didn't come down from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He said, I do always those things that please him. In the garden, you remember he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is the ultimate example and he lived his life morning, noon, and night to please the Father. Hallelujah. And because of that, he was always fully aware of the presence and the pleasure of the Father. You remember when he was baptized and he came up out of the water? I mean, the Father spoke from heaven. Is that right? And what did he say? This is my beloved Son. And what? In whom I am. He didn't just say he loved him. I'm well pleased. Why? Because Jesus didn't do anything on his own. According to him. 
He didn't do anything seeking his own glory. He said, I, I came to do his will. Are y'all okay? And he said, uh, if you keep my commandments, you see, that's, that's not just talking about one time, one day. This is a lifestyle. Every day you seek God, you seek his word. And when you know that he has directed you to do something through his word or by his spirit, you do it. And he's saying, if you'll do that, you will abide you will live in the, the fullness of the experience of his manifested love. Even the way, I, he, way I've lived, he said, I kept my father's commandments and I have, I, I abide in his love. I live in it. It's, it's the environment, spiritual environment that he lives in, just like the air you breathe. It's his manifested love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. What is the, if you want to call it that, the secret to happiness? Hmm? Well, the better word is joy, but it's right here. The, the, the earth is full of disgruntled, dissatisfied, disappointed, discouraged human beings. I mean, billions of them, including a number of believers, just not happy, just not satisfied discouraged, depressed. Well, this is not the plan of God. This is not the will of God. Hmm? And it's become real common to say, uh, well, we're all just broken people. You know, I am, you are. We're all just damaged goods. Where'd you read that in the Bible? Huh? Well, we are. No. No. Jesus said the Spirit of God was on him, among other things, to anointing him to heal the brokenhearted. Living broken, damaged, is acting like God can't heal you. You got to go through life scarred and damaged. Whoever said such a thing? This is settling for way less than what Jesus paid for on the cross. The truth is, God can heal you of anything. That includes not only your body, but he heals the brokenhearted. Hmm? One of the big problems is that people are still bitter because they won't forgive. And as long as you won't forgive, you won't be healed. You keep reopening the wound. Are you listening? But you can be healed. I don't care how horrible 
what happened to you was. God is so powerful and the blood is so powerful and the spirit of God is so powerful and his love is so great. He can heal you to the point is like it never happened. He can heal you and restore you to the point that it does not limit you or restrict you one tiny bit from living your life and doing everything God called you to do. But that won't happen if you keep on talking about how broken you are and singing all the broken songs. (laughs) How many think you ought to check everything out with the word? And you ought to be asking yourself all the time, especially if it's a sermon or a book or a song, where's that at? Where's that at? In here. Where's it at? Jesus is talking about a life where your joy is full. And he does not exaggerate. I said he does not exaggerate. If he says fullness of joy, he's talking about experience you could never get with any alcohol or high from a drug or any possession or any earthly success. He's talking about what you were made to be and experience and have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, everybody say, I can. I can. Have fullness of joy. joy. I can. can. Jesus said so. so. I can can. have fullness of joy. joy. I mean, some joy is great, right? Quite a bit of joy. That's wonderful. But fullness of joy, fullness of joy, That's your cup running over, brother. I said, that's your cup running over. Did you know the Bible said about Jesus? You know, sometimes you'll see pictures that people have painted of Jesus and and, uh, he looks so haggard (laughs) and so sad. Well, he went to the cross. Yeah, but he ain't there now. How many understand Jesus is not on the cross? He was on the cross. He's not there now. Is that right? And the Bible said in his life and ministry, he was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above all his fellows and brethren. I mean, Jesus was the most joyous, full of peace, full of life person you ever been around. As he walked the earth while people were trying to kill him. Now, you know, it had to be like this because little kids loved him. And little kids don't like grumpy sad sacks. Huh? No, they don't. Or people that are act mean and scary. We're talking about little ones. The little ones flocked to him. So much so that some of the folks said, you know, get all these kids out of here. And finally he said, no, no, you leave them alone. Let them come. 
He said, this is what heaven's like. Hallelujah. But he had to be, he wasn't intimidating to them. He wasn't scary to them. And he certainly didn't go around with a long face and so sad because why? I'm going to the cross. Hmm? No. Now, I mean, in the garden, it was tough. He prayed, he sweat blood, but he didn't live like that every day. He, did, he didn't live like that his 33 years leading up to that. He had joy in the morning, joy at noontime, and joy when the sun went down. And you would never look at him and call him a broken individual. Never. Never. He had fullness of peace. And you know, before he left, he said, my peace I give to you. Woo. Glory to God. And that is a huge part of our light and witness in our generation, in the earth, is that we are not depressed and we are not confused. A depressed Christian is a lousy witness because that's acting like you don't have any more answers than the lost people do. Hmm? So no, we must stop yielding to this stuff and acting like we don't have a choice and acting like God can't help us or heal us, we must stop that. We must be a light. Hallelujah. People should look forward to seeing us come. Is that right? Because when we come in, we are never defeated. Huh? Let me preach to these folks over here. I said, when we come in, we are never defeated. Never. We're never so confused and depressed that we're thinking about quitting. Quitting and doing what? You know, when Jesus preached the message on uh, drink my blood and eat my flesh and all the crowd left, I mean thousands of people left him that day and said, take my name off the mail list. <laughs> they did and didn't come back. And it was so bad that Jesus looked at the 12 and he said, are you leaving too? That's how bad it was. Rough day. And Peter looked around and said, where would we go? You got the words of life. Friend, there ain't nowhere else to go. There is no better thing to go to. So don't you act like a whiny one and talk about you're going to leave, leave Jesus. You ain't going to leave Jesus? Come on. Everybody say, I'm going nowhere. It's me and God. All the way. He'll never leave me. I'm not leaving him. So don't even start any of this stuff. I think I may just quit. You just want attention. Grow up. <laughs> uh, he said, uh, 
These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now do not separate this from what he said before it, and he's about to say it again, keeping his commandment. Or another way of saying, doing what he tells you to do. The very next thing he said, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now it doesn't stop there. The next verse gives explanation of what he just said. Greater love has no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. If you do what I tell you to do. So he's talking about fullness of joy. And then he talks about loving each other. Now, now this specifically is your fellow Christian. He, he wasn't just talking about everybody like this. This is, do you see the language? Love who? One another. He's talking to your, your fellow Christian, about your fellow Christian. And this is the key to living in this manifested love, which is key to living in the fullness of joy. Hope you're not sleeping through this. Huh? What we're going to be talking about tonight, and maybe tomorrow night, we'll see, is how to be absolutely happy and fulfilled and satisfied in life. It's possible. Jesus did it. I said Jesus did it. His whole life. And the world is full of disgruntled disappointed, depressed, defeated people, including in churches. But you don't have to be. I said, you don't have to be. You do not have to be that way. And the people say, well, yeah, but you, you, you know, you don't know what's happened to me. Yeah, and you don't know how powerful the Holy Spirit is. You don't know how powerful the blood is. No. The Lord knows how many understand that when the Lord said this and the Spirit of God on him and speaking through him took into account everything that could ever happen to any human being, past, present, and future. And when he says it, it will never need to be updated because it's the Word of God. It's perfect when he came out of his mouth. Do you believe that or not? So when he tells you, you can have fullness of joy, you can live in God's manifested love, you better believe it. I want to hear somebody say, I believe it. I, I believe huh? It. I believe it. You believe what? You can live in joy. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be discouraged. and defi- Do you believe you can live aware of God's love? Loving you? Pleased with you? You believe that? Go to 1 John. Is this worth talking about? And this is very important. 1 John says a similar thing. 1 John 3, 14 says, We know 
We have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Again, that's your fellow believer. He that loves not his brother abides in death. In other words, he, he still hadn't been saved. Going to church doesn't save you. Being baptized as an infant doesn't save you. Are y'all listening? Yes. Jesus said you must be born again. And that happens when you make a choice to acknowledge your need of a Savior and you receive Him and confess Him as Lord of your life. Huh? And when you do, it's not a small change. It is a radical change. Inside, old things pass away. And all things become new. You are a new creation. Not a repaired one. A new one. Now your body didn't change. And your mind still got to be renewed. But the inner man. Whoo. Brand new. Glory to God. Brand new. Made the righteousness of God in Christ. Somebody say thank you Lord for doing that. Thank you for doing that for us. And uh, verse 16, he says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And he goes on talking about helping somebody when they have need, and uh, natural and spiritual this is the key to what he was talking about in, in the previous passage, what Jesus said. John's just repeating what he heard Jesus say by the Spirit. The devil lies to unbelievers. How I many understand that's his language? The devil fathered deception, God didn't create deception. The devil used the creative abilities God gave him. He perverted them. Uh, God didn't make him a devil. He made it an anointed cherub. And there came a point, we don't know how long he was in the presence of God. Could have been a huge amount of time. We don't know. But there came a point where iniquity was found in him. God didn't do it. And sometimes people will say, well, God made me this way or that. God didn't make the devil the devil. And Ecclesiastes talks about that God has made man upright, but man has sought out many inventions. God didn't make anybody a liar. God didn't make anybody a thief. God didn't make anybody a murderer. Do you believe this or not? Anything contrary to his word, God did not make you. You can say he did, but it won't be true no matter how many times you say it. Right? The, the, and when we're born again, we're create, recreated in his image, in his likeness and image, and Jesus is absolutely perfect. Do you believe that? Perfect in pleasing the Father. Perfect in doing his will. Now, the devil will lie to people and say, oh, man, you don't want to become a Christian. Because, you know, then your fun is over. You know, man, yeah, you, you, you can't party like you want to. 
You can't, you know, get drunk and stay high all the time like you want. You can't just sleep around. I mean, yeah, your, your fun will be over. It will be so dull and so boring. It'll just be painful. You, you don't want any of that. Just drive on by. Do not go in there. <laughs> and even if he's not able to keep people away from God, and they do get to God, he keeps up with the same kind of thing. He says, well, okay, all right, yeah, but you don't want to be fully committed. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, you can drop in church once in a while, you know, Easter and Christmas and stuff, but uh, <laughs> don't get carried away, you know. Don't become a religious fanatic because it will mess your life up. You will not get to do what you want to do. You won't get to do the things that you, you know, you always hoped and dreamed that you could do. Basically, your life will be over. Just dull and boring. Okay, maybe you'll go to heaven, but man, it'll be awful till you do. <laughs> no fun at all. Is that what Jesus said? He's talking about what? Fullness of joy, right? Fullness of joy. And the problem is remnants of that is in most everybody's mind going back even to their childhood, you know, even if they don't say it or they wouldn't say it, there's this reluctance, you know, you got to keep, I got to keep my life, you know, for me, I got to, oh, it got quiet when I said that. I, I've got to, uh, no, what, what did Jesus say? Lay down your life for the brethren and you'll live in the love and experience fullness of joy. Is this true or not? But it is a completely different way of thinking than the flesh wants to go. Go with me, if you would, to the gospel accounts, Matthew 16, Matthew 16, well, let's see, let's do it this way. Go to Mark 10 first, on your way, well, I guess you'll have to back up, won't you, so, uh, go to Mark first. Mark 10, 42, and I'm reading the NIV. Jesus called his disciples together, and you'll find that connected with this is they were talking about who was going to be the greatest. <laughs> and the issue with that is seeking your own what you think you want, which is natural, natural for a child, a little child, they only think about themselves. But as you grow up, you shouldn't only think about yourself all the time and what you want. And so uh, Jesus called them and used it as a, a teaching moment. And he said, you know that those 
who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. They, they force those under them to serve them, to, to get what they want. And he said, but not so with you. It's not, it's not to be that way with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Now, your flesh and society in general has a major aversion to that word. Hmm? Yeah. He actually, a little bit, uh, the next verse uses the word slave. People say, uh-uh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? Jesus is right. Everybody say it out loud. Jesus is right. Jesus is right. Whoever wants to become great among you, are you looking for greatness? How about a great life? How about a great existence? How about a great outcome? Here's the way Jesus said you get it. You must... You must be a servant. A servant. Everybody just try the word out. Say servant. servant. Just say it again. Servant. servant. What does a servant do? Serve. Serve. Now you'll find when King James uses the word minister. And you got to watch about that word because in our circles that's, that's taken on some different connotation. But if you look up the word, it means somebody who waits on somebody else. Like a, a waiter or a waitress. Somebody who attends. Somebody who serves. Serves. Jesus went on to say. See, I lost my place. I got excited and <laughs> Uh, which one is it? Thank y'all. Uh, he said, not so with you. Whoever wants to become great must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first of all must be slave of all. Slave of all. <laughs> right? What does your flesh say about that? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> now, now here's, the, here's the kicker, man. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give. Give his life as a ransom for many. Oh, the devil tries so hard to hide this, to cover this, to obscure this. Because even if he couldn't get you from coming to Jesus and getting saved, he wants you to be miserable. Huh? So that other people look at you, even relatives, and go, you know, you know they don't want to be a Christian. Why? Because their relative is. Or their neighbor is. And they think, hey, if being a, being a Christian is being like them, forget it. I mean, they are sad. Right? Just look at them. 
and a lot of times broke. Is that right? And sick. <laughs> the Son of Man didn't come to be served. What a statement. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. And he says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Do you want to be like Jesus? I said, do you want to be like Jesus? I assure you, you do. Because one of the big things we just got through talking about, he lived. I mean, morning, noon, and night. He lived in the manifested presence of the love of God. And he was full of joy. Full of peace. Did not live in confusion. Did not battle with depression. Come on, y'all, listen to me. Did not. Somebody says, yeah, but Brother Keith, that's Jesus. Yeah, but he's doing it as a man. With no unfair advantage over you or I. The Bible says so. No, he's not doing it as God. He's doing it as a man. And he walked in total victory. Every day. Hallelujah. Full of joy. Full of peace. Why? Because he didn't live to make himself happy. And he wasn't always praying that the Father would help him live his best life. Hmm? See, many today have changed the gospel. They have taken out two-thirds of what Jesus said about things like this that we're reading right now. And Brother uh, Billy Graham, before he went home, he made this statement. He said, many are preaching now, not the gospel. He said, but what I call easy believism. You know, all you got to do is believe in God. The end. But the truth is, the gospel, Jesus, talks about commitment, obedience, sacrifice, and service. Oh, somebody say service. service. Say it again, service. service. What do servants do? Serve. They serve. Now, there's a vast difference between serving God and being in bondage. You're not a slave in bondage because nobody's making you do this. Come on, can you see this? Nobody's making you do this. You're doing it because you want to. As an act of your will. If you want to be miserable in life, get up every day and think about all day what you want. Huh? What you would really, really like to have. What you need. What you can't do. What you don't know. And then start comparing your life to other people's lives. That you know nothing about. (laughs) 
you'll be miserable. Because that's not what you were made to do. The only way for us to find fulfillment, if God exists, if he is the creator, if he made human beings, if he made us, the only way to find fulfillment is to discover the purpose he made you for. Is that right? Anything else is not going to do it. And the problem is God gave us a free will. He really gave us a completely free will. You can live and die and never even acknowledge his existence. Much less want to know his plan for your life. You're a fool if you do. But if you're wise, you will get up in the morning and push aside what you want. Oh, come on, are y'all listening to me or not? You want to be miserable or not? I didn't even hear an answer. Do you want to be miserable? No, you don't. Help your neighbor. Look at him and say, you don't. You don't want to be miserable. <laughs> so what do you got to do to stop being miserable? You got to stop thinking about yourself. You got to stop thinking about yourself all the time. What people are not doing for you. Who hurt you? Who did you wrong? What you need? What you can't do, what you can't get by, you will be miserable. And it'll get darker and worse and darker because you just think about yourself all the time. That will nauseate anybody. Because <laughs> God made you and he didn't make you for that. He didn't make you to sit around all the time and think about what you want. Many today, like Brother Graham was talking about, they've relegated God as an add-on to their life. And even a lot of ministers, that's how they preach him. You know, come on, no change required. God will help you. Help you live the life you want to. No, he won't. Sorry. Hmm? God was not, God doesn't exist to serve you. We exist. The scripture says, for his pleasure. Come on, am I talking the Bible now? For his pleasure, we are created. And so the reason so many are you know, they have so many things that don't work out and they're so disappointed is because they're not going to him, asking him what he wants them to do. They're saying, I've decided I'm doing this. Why won't you help me? Help me, please help me. I need support. I need this. I need that. No, you, you missed the first most important step. Seek ye first. Not being happy. Huh? People say, well, everybody's entitled to a, a happy life. Says who? Why? Why would you be entitled to a happy life? Just because you exist? 
Why? It's not true. The truth is, all have sinned and come short of the glory, and the wages of sin is death. That's what you deserve. You don't want to talk about what you deserve. You want to get that word out of your mouth. Huh? You don't want to talk about what you deserve. You want to talk about mercy. 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 Because of God's mercy, he took the punishment you deserved and gave you his peace, his joy, his spirit, his name. And you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. It's a free gift. It's mercy. It's grace. The key to joy. The key to fulfillment. Get your mind off yourself. And get busy serving. Come on, are y'all listening? Serving. I'm one of the happiest guys you'll come across. I live a great life. I mean, Phyllis, my wonderful wife, and myself, and all our folks and stuff. I live a great life. But you know what I live for? I live to make God smile. And I live to help somebody. Help his people. And one of the greatest things in the world, in existence, is to realize you've been useful. Oh, somebody was needing something and needing help, and God used you to help them when they need it. There's nothing better. Because that's what I was made for. That's what you were made for. That's, That's not just for preachers. Every child of God was made to serve. I said made to serve. Did you know that's your future? Well, go to Revelation and uh, let me remind you if you didn't. Are you heading that way? Revelation, seventh chapter. Your eternal future is not cloud riding (laughs) and harp playing. Okay, if you want to play a harp, I suppose you could. But who wants to play a harp for 10,000 years? Let's have some variety, man. Huh? Uh Uh-uh. It's not what you're made for now. It's not what you were made for then. When God created you, now your your parents were involved in your body, but not your spirit. They didn't create your spirit. They didn't give you life. Your parents might have been surprised about your arrival. God was not. He knew you before you were born. And he knew those that would love him before they were born. And he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Somebody needs to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
And before you were born, before you existed, he has included you and me in his plan to rule and reign with him in his eternal kingdom. We have barely any concept of what kind of glory and power we're talking about. And it's why the angels who are mightier in many ways in power than us, but they looked at each other, it's recorded in the Psalms, and they said, what is man that he has been so much? Do you see what he's doing with the man? <laughs> I think they were kind of elbowing each other in Noah's time when it looked like we we're all going to be wiped out. And they said, see, man, I, they ain't going to make it. They ain't going to make it. And then... <laughs> But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and, they, and then it just kept happening. And then Jesus came. They thought, you've got to be joking. <laughs> he said, Jesus, for them? It's because God saw something they didn't see. And he sees something in you you don't see. And I don't see. But when he sees value, you believe it. You trust what he sees. And he has called us to be his children, his sons and daughters, but he has called us to serve now and then throughout perpetuity because it's what's going to give you your enjoyment. You're not going to be bored. God has a plan, a big one. Just look up in the night sky. He's big and he's got a big plan. And this, what's happening right now is the shortest thing we will ever do. This is the shortest thing. This is, this is just a few years for us to make the right choice and begin to learn some things about faith and get us primed and ready. And then we're really going into the, the main things. But the biggest danger to the plan of God is your plan. Yep. Mm -hmm. right. And there are millions and millions that are not going to make it in because they would not bow their knee to Jesus. They ain't got time for him. They don't care. It's their life. They're going to live it their way. And they'll be lost. And it's sad. And so we want to do whatever we can do to influence people away from that. And one of the big things is for them to see us not doing our own thing. To see us joyfully serving Him and each other and see what that does to us and how that affects us. Right? So that they, whether they acknowledge it or not, they see we have answers they don't. We're living a life that they would think is not even real. You can't be that happy. That ain't real. Everybody's depressed, you know, most of the time. Not everybody. I'm not. It's a choice. Oh, I don't know if you heard that or not. It's a choice. It's a choice whether you yield to fear or whether you don't. 
Whether you yield to depression, anybody can any day of the week. It's what you decide to think on, listen to, talk about, do, be around, wallow in, stay in. But if you will, as a child of God, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And there is power available to lift you out. Lift you out of darkness and confusion and heaviness and junk and give you a life other people don't even think is possible. Fullness of joy. Somebody said out loud, fullness, fullness. Said out loud, I can live a life in his love. Living in his manifested love. Pleased with me and full of joy. And peace that passes understanding. And peace that passes understanding. It belongs to me. It belongs to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It belongs to me. <laughs> Revelation 7:13. One of the elders answered and said to me, to John, What are these? Who are these that are arrayed in white robes? Where'd they come from? He said, Sir, uh, you know. That's a good answer. You need to put that in a place, you know. You ever in a situation like this and you don't know the answer? Go, sir, you know. <laughs> Why? It worked here. It worked. It worked good. He just immediately went into explaining it to him. He said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We are singing about that a moment ago, weren't we? Therefore, are they before the throne of God, harping and cloud surfing and just making themselves happy? Mm -mm. Not now and not then. That's not what's going to make you happy. Now, I heard of a a music star here recently, you, you might have heard it on the news too, they uh, committed suicide. And they had had the biggest song in the world just not long before that. And you might think, I mean, that's the highest success, not, not the country, the world. And you're so miserable, you, you can't live out the day. You take your own life. What does that reveal? Money won't make you happy. Big houses, cars, jewelry, huh? The new will wear off real fast. And one of the things is, is that people that don't have much, they can imagine that if I had it, I'd be happy. So my problem is, I just don't have enough. If I could ever get it, whoo, happy time. But then people who get it, who thought that, and then they realize this, do, this doesn't fulfill me. This didn't make me happy. And when you've got everything that money can buy and the most success that's possible in your field and you're still empty and miserable on the inside, then you think, well, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing to look forward to. So I might as well end it all. But it's because you were never made to make yourself happy. 
You were not created to seek your own success night and day and to pull all your efforts into living your best life and fulfilling your ideals. And no, you're not. You were made to serve. And Jesus himself, King of kings, Lord of lords, called himself a servant. And if you see the apostles and leaders, same thing in the epistles, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. James, a servant of the Lord, right? That's how they identify themselves. Not with some big grandiose thing about what they've become. A servant, why? Because in heaven, that's a big title. Somebody say, what do you do? You go, I serve God. Okay, make way. Huh? There's no greater call. There's no greater accomplishment then you did something God wanted you to do. Keep reading. They're before the throne of God and they serve him. When? Day and night. Serve him. Someone says, what, no time off? (laughs) Your glorified body won't need it. Ah, you won't need it. You won't get tired. You won't get weary. Nothing to ever corrupt or immortal. Serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sits on the throne will dwell among them. They won't hunger anymore or thirst anymore. The sun won't light on them or any heat. Won't get too hot there. For the Lamb of God, which is in the midst of the throne, will feed them and lead them into living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. And in the last chapter of Revelation, it says it again, Revelation 22, 3, there'll be no more curse in that place, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. And they'll see his face and their name shall be, his name rather, shall be in their foreheads. Why? No reluctance or embarrassment that I'm a servant I exist to serve the living God. His name's in my forehead. So everybody knows I belong to him. It's the highest honor in the universe. Is that right? And you know what? He cares about what he wants you to do serving him. He loves his kids. Huh? And he wants the older kids to help take care of the younger kids. That's why the New Testament commandment is Jesus said, you love each other. He's talking to his his 12 and his disciples. You love each other like I have loved you. How did he love us? He came to serve and to give and even to this present hour, where is he? At the right hand of God where he ever lives to make intercession. He's still serving us. Glory to God. That's how he exists. That's his thrill. The Bible said God delights in showing mercy. You want to make God happy? Let him bless you. Makes him happy. You want to be happy? Let him use you to bless somebody else. Huh? Is it true? A lot of you may know Brother Jesse Duplantis. 
He's a friend. And he tells about an experience he had where he was caught up to heaven. And one thing he saw that stood out to me, he said uh, he went to this place and it was paradise, he called it. It was like a huge park and, and water features and all that kind of thing. And he said everybody he saw, he didn't know them. But he said they would light up and go, hi. He'd go, hi. They'd say, uh, can we do anything for you? We're going on a picnic. You want to come? He didn't know him, but he's like, and the angel said, you have an appointment. He goes, well, sorry, I have, a, have an appointment. <laughs> he said, they said, that's okay. Good to see you. And then they'd see some more people and they'd say, hi. He said, hey. They said, can we do something for you? He said, everybody he saw, they were like that girl. Can we, can we do this for you? Can we get you this? You, you want to come with us? You want to do this? That would make heaven. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Nobody is wanting to take. Nobody is pulling on anybody. Yeah. Nobody's pressuring anybody. Everybody wants to give, wants to serve, wants to help. How many think we can have some days of heaven on the earth? Especially in our family church. Is that right? It ought to be that way. It ought to be that way. Go to Ephesians and I'm thinking about closing. Well, it crossed my mind. <laughs> Ephesians, can you come back tomorrow night? We... There's more. How many think this is important? Is this important? It's the, it's the difference between being miserable or being full of joy. It is. And the answer's been here all the time. But it's a matter if you take it seriously and, and if you do it. Ephesians, the second chapter, talks about how we were saved and then why we were saved. Ephesians 2, 8. It says, For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We were talking about that earlier. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So he starts off by saying, You are not saved by good works. You're not saved by your works. But then immediately he starts talking about your works. Hmm? But again, you need to be clear that that didn't save you. Hmm? Uh, not by works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, what? Unto. Unto. Good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. These good works consist of things that serve and help others in, with God's will, His things, what He says is right and good. But how we were saved is by grace through faith, not of works. But why we were saved is what? To do the good works. 
Good works of service. Now listen how the Amplified says this. Verse 10 Amplified says, We are God's own handiwork, His workmanship. So you need to quit talking bad about yourself. Because you're slandering God's one-of-a-kind masterpiece. I know there's a lot of imperfections. He's going to fix all that. It's coming. But don't badmouth God's creation, which is you. Say it out loud. I am God's own handiwork. His workmanship. He goes on to say, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that... Why were we born again? Why were we saved? That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. That we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. What is the good life according to God? It's not just having all the money you could dream of and all the stuff you could dream of and rich for the sake of being rich and sitting around bored and doing nothing. No, what he calls the good life is doing the good works that he prepared for you to be a part of, helping somebody, helping get the gospel out, helping uh, build the church, helping in some capacity. Some years ago, the Lord asked me this question about, you know, the passage where, where uh, Joshua was telling the people, you know, if, you, if, if you're going to serve God, serve him. If, if not, you know, make up your mind. He said, uh, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, that's a well-known phrase in churches and Christian circles. But the Lord said to me, he said, uh, going to church is not serving the Lord. That's you being served. Are y'all awake? Huh? See, one of the things that's making me happy tonight, I've been cooking all day. Yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah, they'll like that. That's good. And I get to serve you, right? I get to serve you. But are you serving me right now? Are you serving the church? You're being served. Come on, can you see this? But the people around on the different teams that cleaned the room, that worked in parking, that worked with the children, whatever, they're serving you. Is that right? And there needs to be something you're doing that's serving him, not just being served. And that's one of the reasons why he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. He talked about provoking each other to good works. It's become common with a lot of folks to sit at home and watch online. But, but that's not serving God. Is it? You can't serve remotely. You can eat. You can be fed. But that's you being served. 
That's not you serving. And if you say, well, I'll just send money. Well, that won't cut it if he told you to serve in some other way. Right? It must be a priority to you. And so you, you must be available. I know our entire ministry began uh, back in 1981. I was able to go to Ramah, Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry in 82 and through those years, 83. And, um, uh, the, my, I didn't realize it, but my whole ministry uh, was would affect the rest of my life. And in the next 20 years specifically, I'm sitting on the front row, Brother Hagin's on the platform, and, and the Lord spoke to me and said, help Brother Hagin. I thought, well, wow. <laughs> Looks like he's got a lot of help, you know. <laughs> Nobody knew me, and, right? I'd only been there three months or something. And uh, I thought, help Brother Hagin. That was my, Phyllis and my ministry directive for the next 20, 25 years. I had no idea. I thought I was going for one year and going home. Help Brother Hagin. No vision, no audible voice. Help Brother Hagin. What's, another, what's one word you could use to say that instead? Serve. 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 I didn't know. I couldn't just go talk to him. They had warned us, don't be bothering Brother Hagin. I'm, I'm a first year student, you know. And so I thought, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm willing. I don't know. I didn't know. What does that even mean? And so... Uh, not just a few weeks later, they said uh, uh, they needed help setting up the room after the service that would talk to people that needed to get born again or come back to the Lord or prayed for. And, and the thing that popped in my mind, Brother Hagin needs help. Now, I know that wasn't helping him personally, but at the same time, this is his ministry. They said they need help. So, so we would set the chairs up and then we'd put the books out, and then we'd set, put them back up. And then uh, later, they said, well, we want you to be available to pray with the people if they need to get saved. Whoo, okay. I wasn't a preacher. But that's how you learn. And then they said, well, you know, we need help in uh, prayer school. I thought, Brother Hagin needs help. I volunteered. Did you hear that word volunteer? Uh, that was too weak. I said, did you hear the word volunteer? Volunteering to do what? Serve. serve. Sir, how do you serve the Lord? Not just by going to church. By serving his people, serving his things. And so I'm telling you over the next 10, 15 years, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. They said, well, we need help in the song service. And uh, boy, that was a stretch for me because I, I had a good ear, but I wasn't a very good player. And uh, but you know, the Lord helped me. So I said, I said, well, they, they said, yeah, we want you anyway. So I went and started taking music lessons. Every afternoon, I'm there trying to learn and learning chords. And then if you want to serve, you'll do it. Is that right? And one thing led to another. And I mean, after 10 years, they said, uh, uh, they said, we want you to help in the Bible school. I said, whoa, really? I want you to help teach in, in healing school. Help, help do this. And eventually, traveling with Brother Hagin himself and but it started with, huh? Need to move some chairs. You know who God uses? 
Ain't the prettiest? Ain't the smartest? Huh? Ain't the people with the best connections? You know who he uses? The available ones. The ones that show up. Is that right? They don't have other things. There's too many other more important things that they can't do it. Good works that's foreordained. Some years ago, and I, I think I'm closing now. <laughs> Some years ago, I was at a, a church ministering like this. And I'd not been there before, but when I, when I pulled up, there were like four people came to the car when it opened the door. They're smiling. I said, hi. They said, hi. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And so uh, I came in and there were like four people at the door. And, and they, they're high, high. And can we do this? Can we do that? And I said, no, can I take your coat? Can I take your Bible? No, I'm, I'm okay. And, and then, you know, you need some water. You need this and you need that. And there's three people over here. And there's two people over here. And uh, uh, finally, was this young man standing in the corner, he kept looking at me, smiling, smiling. And, and finally, I looked at him. He said, uh, you been to the restroom? I said, <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't been yet. I'm okay right now. He said, he, said, he said, that's my job. He said, tell me if it's okay. I think it's pretty clean. I think it's, I think it's good to go. And I, is this good or is this good? See, with so many churches, you got a handful of people that are overworked, trying to do everything, while you got all kind of folks who do nothing. They come, they sit, they take, they feed, they leave, and do nothing. That's not okay. That's not how God ordained it. That's not what's supposed to be happening. There's supposed to be people serving all over the place. Now, I know there's a lot of good people serving here. I can just see how things are going. But I assure you, they have room for more. And not only that, if you got enough people, then you rotate them. And everybody gets a break and everybody gets a rest. Is that right? And then everybody gets trained and everybody gets reward. I said everybody's going to get reward that gets involved in this. My brother, my sister, life is very short. Soon and very soon, the Lord tarries just a little while, you're going to be leaving here. And so much of the stuff that you're doing, nobody will care about, all the natural stuff. So I know a lot of things you have to do, but a lot of it's just nobody's going to know or care. But everything you do for the kingdom of God, for God's people, for his church, for the gospel lasts forever. Oh, hallelujah. And that's not the only benefit. One of the big benefits is when you get to serving and help, you're going to be happier than you have ever been. You will be more fulfilled you know, instead of just sitting around thinking about yourself all day or watching dumb stuff on TV or just playing video games. There's something else you can do if you will. And so when the pastors talk about, hey, we're doing this, we need this, let's do this, there ought to be boop, 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 boop. Is that right? Hands everywhere. And if we got way too many, that's wonderful. We'll just make multiple teams and rotate. It is the will of God. Stand on your feet, everybody.
You know, one of the prophets in the writings, he talked about he saw the Lord, how that he was high and lifted up. And one of the words that came is, who, who can I send? And who will go for us? You, anybody remember that? And what, what did he say? What did the man of God say? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. Aren't you thankful that whoever preached the gospel to you when you got saved obeyed God and said, I'll do it? Huh? Aren't you glad these pastors said, I'll do it? Everybody that's obeyed God that helped you, that's impacted your life, they had to say yes. They could have been selfish. They could have said, no, I'm just going to live for myself and try to make myself happy, which they would never have been able to do because it's just not enough. But why don't you, let me lead you in a prayer. If your heart agrees with it, say it out loud. Father God, thank you for making me. Thank you that I have existence. You chose me. You made me. Not to live for myself. Not to seek my own happiness. Not to just live my life. You made me. And you saved me to serve. Hallelujah. That's what I'm made for. That's what will give me joy. That's what will fulfill me. You said so. So I say with the prophet of old, here I am. I'm under your hand, Lord. Do with me what pleases you. I live. I exist to please you and to serve you and to serve your people. Make clear to me and confirm to me what you want me to do, who you want me to help. And I say I'm willing and with your help, I will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lift your hands. Give God praise. Give the Lord thanks. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Lord, we honor you. Lord, we bless you. Thank you so much for all you've done for all you've done for us. And we yield our lives to you. Be glorified in us and be glorified through us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah, come on. Praise God. You know, I wanna say, uh, and it's absolutely true, like, man, I got a lot out of that. That was helpful, that was beneficial, that was edifying. But you know, we often uh, measure a church service by how much we got out of it, right? Was church, church was so good today. What do you mean? Oh, I just received so much from the Lord. How many know that's only one measurement? You could, you could, you could go away saying, That's, that service, that time at the, at the church was so amazing. What'd you get? Well, I don't know if I got anything, but I got to give a bunch. In other words, I got to serve a bunch of people. I'm happier than ever. <laughs> I got to serve. It was a great time. 
Because how many know coming to church is, yes, it's about receiving, but it's about, like was taught, serving others. It's also about ministering to the Lord. So there's multiple ways of giving out. And I think that makes a, you know, it's, it's a better well-rounded definition of it was good. And a lot of that we leave out sometimes, don't we? Because we're thinking just about our, our own receiving. Praise God.